So um, I want to say something about Upanishadatta uh, because he's very modest and won't uh, probably tell all of his own story. Uh, he's the executive director in exile of the All Burma Monks Alliance, and as I said, a leader of the Saffron Revolution in the fall of 2007. He came to the United States in uh, 2008 uh, with three other exiled monks, and they created a monastery in Utica, New York, where he continues to live and organize. He was born in 1960 in central Burma and was ordained at the age of 20 and uh, completed his formal education after years of study at Burma's monastic universities and was appointed uh, president of, the, of Rangoon's Alon Township Young Monks Union. In 1990, uh, Upanizata was arrested and imprisoned in the uh, notorious Insane, that's the name of the prison, Insane uh, Prison, for his involvement in the first monk's protest against the Burmese military's theft of power from the Aung San Suu Kyi's party after their landslide election victory. He was released from prison in 1993, rearrested uh, in 96, and then again in 1998, he was arrested and sentenced to seven years in prison and was not released until November of 2004. The following year, he moved to uh, a monastery, Magin Monastery in Rangoon, and helped to open a unique study center and an AIDS, HIV patient support refuge, the only one, I believe, of its kind in Burma, which has now been shut down. Pinyazata helped form and lead the All Burma Monks Alliance, uh, protesting the military's rule. And uh, along with thousands of other monks and nuns and uh, ordinary citizens, uh, they marched through the streets chanting the Metta Sutta, the Sutta of Loving Kindness, in September of 2007. These demonstrations, as you know, were really fiercely repressed and an unknown, still unknown number of monks and civilians were beaten, arrested, disrobed, uh, disappeared, killed. Uh, the Magin Monastery uh, was occupied and padlocked by the military and the present, the, the sitting abbot was imprisoned. Uh, did, have many of you seen Burma Vijay? Yeah, so uh, one of his uh, fellow monks from Magin and also in the monastery in Utica was Ugasita, who's, who's prominent in that movie. And Pinyazato was in that movie as well. Uh, he escaped from Rangoon taking on a variety of disguises and uh, unable to capture him, the regime arrested his mother and his siblings not releasing them until he uh, surfaced in May Sot, Thailand, on the border, border in Thailand, in January of 2008. And since moving to here to the United States, uh, Upanishadatta has re appeared regularly at rallies in universities, public forums, to inform people about his people's struggle for democracy, 
but also to teach the Dhamma, which I believe is going to be the centerpiece of what he does here tonight. Uh, so with that, I invite you to listen to his Dhamma, and there'll be, I believe there should be ample time for question and answer, as I said, about the content of the talk, but also about whatever other wider-ranging inquiries you might like to make about the situation in Burma as it is now. So <coughs> uh, I turn it over to Venerable. Oh, also, uh, we have Kenneth Wong translating, who is just a wonderful translator. We're very, very lucky to, to have him, uh, and you will discover that for yourself. So I'm going to pass the microphone behind the back. This is an auspicious evening indeed, and I send you my compassion, and I wish you all spiritual... This is an auspicious evening indeed, and I'd like to welcome everyone who is here tonight and send you my compassion and wish you all physical and spiritual health so that you can enjoy this Dhamma talk. I'd like to thank all the fellow Buddhists who have made this event happen, including Margaret, Alan, and other people, and the authorities of this institution. And I'd also like to thank the audience who have given me the chance to share my Dharma with you. ဒီစင်ပြီးတဲ့နောက်မှာပဲဆိုတာအဲလင်ပြောသွားတယ်လို့ဘာမှပြီးခြင်းရုပ်ရှင်ကာကာအဲလေမှာသွားပြီးတော
I'm aware of the fact that uh, because we come from different traditions, there may be minor deviations in the way in which you sit, the way in which you maintain your pose, but let's not dwell on that. The main thing is that we want to talk about the mental concentration that is involved. Okay. Yeah. Oh, all right. That's better. Okay. Thanks. Ponyro. <coughs> Sabirima, Poda Sabiri, Dinjare Niyama, Tia Shumatane Padelu, Limu Quetaware, Limu Maro, Taine Nie, Leyang Mater Nie, Lanshout Mater Nie, Jabido Mater Nie, Leyang Tai Yatua, Di Limune Punido Poda Sabiri Maro, Di Limune Biatantara, Duyabare. In our Buddhist traditions, there are four different postures that you can use during your meditation. You could be meditating in a sitting position, you could be meditating pacing back and forth, you could be meditating reclining, and you could also be meditating in a standing position. <laughs> Most of the people here are familiar with the sitting position has been shown to a lot of you. I'd like to show you the standing meditation position, if I may. What I'd like to advise is that in a sitting position, if you put your feet on top of each other, it might not be comfortable if you do it for an extended amount of time. So um, I'd like to recommend that if you are doing that, you can put your two, you can put your feet back and forth parallel to each other instead. That's one option that you have. <laughs> To make it easier for breathing, it's recommended that you put your face as if you are looking straight in front of you, not leaning back or bowing down. The two hand position, you can turn your two palms upside. You can turn your palms upward and then put them on top of each other and you can lie them gently between the folds of your leg. It's, it, it should not be pressing down on your folded legs. Sometimes 
It's recommended that you keep your spine straight, stacked up, um, straight, so that you're not leaning too far backward or leaning too far forward, and nor should you be thrusting your chest outward. It should be in a comfortable position. This is, however, the ideal sitting meditation position. But if you should you have health issues and if you have uh, your age prevents you from assuming that position, you're welcome to stay in a way that is most comfortable to you. Passing over the standing, passing over the reclining meditation position and the pacing meditation position, now let's proceed towards the standing meditation position. I'll personally illustrate the standing meditation position for you here. Let the uh, let the size let the distance of your hip guide the distance that you would place between your two feet because that would help you adjust the distance between your two feet. For the hands, as you have seen me demonstrate it, you can put the two hands stacked up on each other together and put at the front like this. You could also, if you choose to, put your two hands folded and put it in the back like I did. If you prefer, you could also put it on the side like I did. The direction of your face should be similar to the same way that you have held it during your sitting meditation position. The same thing goes for the spine and the posture of your back. I would recommend that um, if you are not if you are a beginner and if you are not well if you are not familiar with the sitting meditation you should start with the sitting meditation because for one thing if you start with the standing meditation and if should you relax or should you doze off you're liable to fall down and hurt yourself 
ไอ้เนี่ยมาเยกกรรมฐานเนี่ยไทยกรรมฐานเนี่ยกูวิเชียนเปียวะยินไทยกรรมฐานก็ยีดาคูปี้တော့ရှုတ်ပြီးတော့
If you can avoid those two extremes, that would be just about the right path that you would take to get to the enlightenment that Buddha has talked about. Before you started practicing meditation or the pursuit of Dharma, there are a couple of conducts that uh, you should be aware of. In the Burmese Buddhist tradition, we think of them as the five precept. The first one of the precept is that you should not kill any living creatures. Precept number two, you should be you should avoid stealing other people's possession. Precept number three, you should avoid violating or lusting of other people's spouses. Precept number four, you should avoid dishonesty or incorrect speech. Precept number five, you should avoid alcohol and other form of intoxicants. Um, you might be asking why we should be concerned with these five precepts. Generally, it's because by practicing these five precepts, you will be able to bolster your tamadi. Tamadi is the mental strength that is required to concentrate on during your meditation practice. These are, of course, the five precepts that are expected of ordinary people in order to bolster their samadhi. But there are also the four fundamental rules that the monks are expected to follow. And uh, just because you might be curious about that, I'd like to share those four with you, if I may. Um, 
In number, there are about 224 specific regulations that the Buddhist monk... 227 regulations that the Buddhist monks are supposed to follow. But here are the four fundamental ones. The first rule, a monk is never supposed to take the life of another human being. Once the, if that happens, the monk is no longer a monk. A monk is not supposed to steal anything that is in excess of a value of a quarter. If that happens, the monk is no longer a monk. A monk is not supposed to indulge in carnal pleasure, neither with human beings nor with living creatures of any kind. The fourth one is rather difficult to explain. Um, the fourth one requires that you do not boast or brag about having gained enlightenment when it is not true, just to impress your patrons and other people. If you have violated any one of these four rules, four rules, then even if you are still wearing a robe, you are no longer monks. So you are no longer a monk, so we have to adhere to these four rules. What is the motivation in general for meditating? I'd like to explain that a little, uh, if I may. In our ordinary daily life, just to make a living and just to survive, we have to go through all sorts of mysteries and frustrations and anxieties. เออดิรออะไรมุนจะมุเรอะไรเสียเสียมุเรโกอะลุบิมามุตันจองคันซายะเรบิมามุเรอะลุเทมามะปิ่นอะปิ่นอะเชนเนยะอะเชนมะปิ
So how do you make it easier to deal with things when things don't go according to the plan in your daily life, in your family life, and in your work life? That's one of the reasons that you might meditate. And this is, strictly speaking, the benefit of meditation that pertain to the present life. Because of your family situations, because of your because of the economy, because of your sons and daughters, perhaps there is a cumulative effect of all the sufferings and anxieties and frustrations that have built up over the years. That's not all. Perhaps there are also the kind of wanting, the kind of desire that we generally um, suffer from, the desire for a better computer, desire for a better kind of luxury car, the desire for a better kind of home, those are the kind of things that plagued us all around. Because these things <coughs> tend to build up over the years, in time they became they begin they begin to accumulate into a big boulder. It's nearly impossible to entirely eliminate and remove all these greeds and lusts and desires that we all suffer from. Just this morning, I heard a piece of news about a private plane that crashed into, a, into somebody's home. That instant led me to think about something. Perhaps there were economic uh, matters and family matters that he was unable to resolve, and therefore um, plunging the plane into a private home is one of the ways in which somebody might try to solve something like that. Perhaps 
I can understand the kind of frustration that such a person might have felt because I too, during my imprisonment, during my captivity, and during the time when I was being interrogated, suffer from the same kind of anxiety, fear, frustration, and anger. About one, about one and a half months to two months, I too have to wrestle with these internal emotions, the anger, the frustration, the desire to take revenge on the authorities. Because of the intensity of the degree of miseries that I was put through, I nearly forgot to I nearly forgot to practice my meditations. But then this one point came. I insisted on meditating for about three to four days, and after that, I just realized that the degree of uh, anger and frustration and agony in myself gradually began to decrease. About one to two weeks afterwards, I begin to feel much more I, I begin to feel much more at ease with my own condition. I no longer have any fear about beaten up, being beaten up or being tortured. And essentially I begin to feel as comfortable inside the prison as I f I did outside. I do feel that if you practice meditation, then you'll be much better prepared to deal with the kind of frustrations and angers that life has to offer. ไอ้ดอนมุตันบีดอปีเตยไถ่ไถ่ยินดอจาเรยตันบีดอไม่ยาวาบูอุปมาสัพพะเกลีต้งตะโลวาเบสัพพะเกอาตะนิตตะนิ
ไส้กูเพ้งโหบ่มาแลพอญีโดอนี่เมฆาดออนาปานะโลคอบาเดดีนคอนเทคลีมาอัตตะกูสู่เรอะคามาโหไทมูไทนี้ดิโหเปียว
There are two different methods that we use for meditation, contemplating on the exterior matters and contemplating on the internal matters. Contemplating on the external matters can encompass probably about 40 specific methods. For example, there are methods that revolves around concentrating on the movement of the water in a cup. There are also methods that involve studying the processes of funeral, and there are methods that involves concentrating on the virtues of a compassionate Buddha. All of these, all of these 40 specific methods are considered contemplating on the external matters. Even the method that we have just described earlier about concentrating on the breathing in and breathing out too is part of the contemplating on external matters. Contemplating on the external matters would lead you to higher form of consciousness and a purer a purer kind of mind that those are some of the benefits that you could receive from external meditation Studying and contemplating the external matters will give you, will eventually lead you to a higher consciousness and enlightenment of the mind, but that does not, uh, that alone does not necessarily lead to the freedom from the cycle of death and rebirth. <laughs> But that contemplating on external matter actually is one of the requirements to move on to contemplating on internal matters. So it is recommended that you start from that. We'll move on to vipatana, concentrating on internal matters. Before we talk about contemplating on internal matters, maybe we need to talk about the doctrine, the doctrine of physical properties and their designations. <coughs> We'll have to talk about um, we'll have to talk about 
the physical properties and designations in two different ways. Think about the hand, think about dog, think about man, think about woman, think about any other objects that you can observe. These are, um, in our understanding, these are, in our understanding, a cluster of physical properties that we designate a certain name to. That's why we call that the doctrine of name designation. Under the doctrine of designation, we recognize that there are objects that there are clusters of objects and organisms that we refer to as men or women or dog or you or I. We don't deny that. But if you view these objects that we have talked about earlier strictly from the doctrine of your own consciousness, then you realize that these don't exist. In, in our consciousness, we only recognize that things, uh, things exist only as uh, physical properties and names. To understand, to understand the concept uh, of the higher consciousness, this is where the contemplation of the internal matters comes in. The physical properties that we have talked about are constantly changing. They are decaying, they are, they are decaying, they are dying, they are changing, they are reborning. And the names too are constantly changing. And contemplating on these constant changes is the nature of contemplating on internal matters. Just 
The main distinction between contemplating on external matter and contemplating on internal matter is that when you are contemplating on internal matter, you are paying attention to the happenings in your own consciousness. The more you contemplate on your own consciousness, the more you become to aware of the fact that things are simply changing, constantly decaying, dying, uh, re being recreated, being reborn. And that is essentially the path that will lead to breaking away freedom from the cycle of death and rebirth. In consideration of the time constraint, uh, let's wrap up here and I'd like to send my compassion to you first in Burmese, I'll say a short prayer and then followed by English prayer. ดูเอเจนเจนในเสเจนเกนเชนจาวาเซโยเมตาสวังกะวาลวังญิงญันจาวาเซดูเอเจนเจนในเสเจนเกนเชนจาวาเซโยเมตาสวังกะวาลวัง
I have to ask about your assessment of the current situation in your country and whether things are worse, better. So using less sheep, the ဘာမှာဖြေမှာပေါ့အခြေအနေကလေးဆိုးဝါးနေတာလားပို့ပြီးတော့တိုးတက်လာတာလား I've been here for two years, and if I have to give my assessment, I'd, I'd say that things are getting much worse than the way they were when I was there. Um, just recently, I heard about one monk who was sentenced to seven years in prison because he was offering support to survivors of the Nagas, um, the Nagas disaster. And there are also cases that I've heard where the monks are demanded to show their paperwork at train stations and bus stations, and they are constantly being harassed. In your Dhamma talk, you spoke about um, meditation and how it helped you through um, your time in prison. My question is, what are other things that you learned while you were in prison? ทองเนมาจ่าได้จริงมาตะชาออกบาดีเมียเตียชูมีไหลติเลยบาดีเมียอมัตติยาชีติเลยทองเนมาเออเนี่ยเนี่ยทองเนมาเออดูดีเยป
ဟုတ်ပြီးနောက်ရောက်လေးတွေကြီးတာတယ်ညောင်းလင်းချက်ကြီးတာကဘာကြောင့်လဲဆိုရင်ကိုဥပဒေနို့ဒီဒီဒီ
you have to think about that too. ဒါတခြားနေနဲ့အခုနှစ်ထောက်တစ်ဆယ်မှာရွေးကောက်ပွဲလုပ်မယ်ဆိုတဲ့နာအပါကဒုစစ်အာနာတိမြဲရေးအ
I can't really ascertain the exact number, but I believe that there are about 450 monks who have been involved in the Saffron Revolution that are currently in prison right now. But I only have a record of roughly 250 of these prisoners. There are a lot of monks that were um, in hiding and went underground soon after the Saffron Revolution. And initially, they put on civilian clothes just to blend in with the local populations. But as time goes by, because it was nearly impossible to stay adhere to the monastic traditions, they ended up become they ended up disrobing and becoming ordinary people. But that doesn't mean that they have given up on the causes of the homeland. About 320 monasteries, as I'm aware of, have been raided after the Saffron Revolution because of their role in it. And as far as I know, there are about six of them that were sealed off so that nobody else can go back in. That would include my previous, my former Mackin Monastery, where we used to host, we used to host HIV-infected patients. Now, Mr. Thalare, Mr. Thaneng Thalare, Dangari, Bengala, India, Southern Thalare, Dangari, Lebe, Colombian, Bangla, Mesoino, Tonyalau, Tio, Melo, Chamare, Kaniere, Mamulo, Desido, Matibabu. There are probably about 300 of us that are scattered around Bangladesh, India, and Thai, and Mesok, and other different places because we all fled. About 38 of us came to the United States together, but there are only about eight of us who still remain in the monastic order because the rest of them eventually have to give up the rope and become civilians because it was simply impossible to support themselves as Buddhist monks in a country that has a different culture. So that's why I'm working towards establishing a specific monastery that caters to um, Buddhist monks that escaped and fled because of their political participations. Now, 
I'm still continuing to help the Burmese Buddhist monks that are imprisoned inside the country because of their participation in the Saffron Revolution. And I'm also, to the best of my ability, helping the Buddhist monks who are currently in the Thai Burma border. And I'm grateful for Margaret and Alan for their help in making it possible for Clearview me to project. Clearview Project and making it possible for me to offer my assistance to my brethren. Well, thank you very much. Um, thank everyone for coming and for hearing the truth of the Dhamma and the truth of life uh, in Burma. And I'm very grateful to have this evening with Upanyuzata. Thank you very much. And to have Ukavita here as well. Um, we sort of left on a, a somber note. I wonder if uh, those of you who, you have a practice of chanting uh, to close the evening, is that right? Can one of you? A meta practice. Shall we? Dedication of merit. Okay, why don't I dedicate the merit if that's okay? And uh, thank you again. Thank you for your generosity. The merit of our practice here today, the practice of meditation, the practice of listening, the practice of opening our hearts. We dedicate the merit of our practice and of our lives that all beings may live in safety, that all beings may live in joy and health, free from oppression, free from suffering, free from the hindrances that we create for ourselves and for each other. May all beings be happy. Thank you very much and good night. We'll be here for a little while. If you want to chat with, with Ukavita or Upinyazata, please just come up. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.